Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome, everybody, into the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns247, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I am doing well, and I'm a little... um weirded out by our wardrobe choice the last few times. I don't know if you're watching this on YouTube, Chip and I, I swear we are not intentionally color coordinating like we have been for the last few weeks, but we're matching again and you're stealing my signature color of green chip. So I'm, I'm a little uh, bummed with that, but yeah, overall that, I'm doing right. How are you? That is nuts. Uh, folks, it is not St. Patrick's Day, okay? <laughs> we jumped on the stream and we're like, seriously? Like, should we change? Like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> and for the record, we were not dressed alike at the open practice <laughs> yes. uh, that the Longhorns held at DKR on Tuesday night. I believe I was wearing some kind of uh, aquamarine and you were wearing black, so... Uh, but Taylor, let's let's get right into it because we did have an open practice uh, at DKR, and we were there, you, me, Jeff Howe, uh, along with other media members, taking it all in, getting a, a you know a glimpse of this football team before the all important second scrimmage of fall camp, which will be this Saturday, and a number of takeaways from this open practice obviously all eyes are on the quarterback position Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers and much like the scrimmage on Saturday uh, the first scrimmage of fall camp there were lots of good throws touchdown passes by both quarterbacks um, you know in seven on seven and and then in 11 on 11 uh, in red zone, but there were turnovers and, uh, Quinn Ewers was intercepted three times. One of them off the hands of his receiver into the hands of a defender, uh, and Hudson card, um, was intercepted a couple times and had what would have been a pick six, uh, by Ryan Watts, um, in 11 on 11. So it, it it's one of those situations where if you're a fan and you go to that practice and you're looking for separation, you're looking for a clear answer, you didn't get it. Now, Steve Sarkeesian has seen all the practices. He's been in all the meetings. He might have a better idea right now. But if you're a fan watching that open practice, uh, and Hudson Card did go first with the first team offense until they were in red zone. And then Quinn Ewers went first with the first team offense. Uh, but if you were a fan watching that open practice, Taylor, I'm not sure you you got that clear separation uh, at quarterback. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. And I think I think it's fair to say that if any anyone, not just fans, but anybody in attendance at the um, open practice on Tuesday night walked away thinking, one guy had the lead over the other that I think it was it's more that that's what they want in their head or what they assume are going is going to happen because yeah I think I think it's very clear that it's pretty even at least based off of what we have seen so far um as you mentioned earlier you know the the scrimmage on Saturday this upcoming scrimmage will 
be huge because this is where, you know, you want to probably see the quarterback, somebody separate from the other. But yeah, I think, I think it's fair to say they're pretty much even. And that's the reason why Steve Sarkeesian has not named anyone a starter yet, even though earlier this summer, he talked about wanting to be in a situation to name a starter earlier than he did last year. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not uh, naive in thinking we were watching anything other than vanilla uh, script scripted plays for this, for this open practice. Uh, but Hudson card definitely is the more nimble, you know, if things break down, he can make something happen with his feet. He's probably a little more athletic than Quinn Ewers, who is a pocket passer, a guy who's going to stand in that pocket and, and probably look for the deep ball first. I mean, he, he's a gunslinger and he's good at throwing the deep ball. And he's, he had a big pass to Casey Kane in the scrimmage on Saturday. He had uh, some really nice uh, passes. He had some receivers dropping balls too. Um, and like Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington, uh, which they also had some drops in Saturday's scrimmage. That's not characteristic of them, obviously, but that hurts the quarterback's uh, performance because if, if those turn into touchdowns, then the quarterback looks great. Uh, instead, it's a drop and an incompletion for the quarterback. But, um, you know, I think this is going to be really interesting to see how Steve Sarkeesian um, handles this when he decides to make his announcement. We heard at media days in mid-July that Steve Sarkeesian might have a an answer earlier in camp. Well, that second scrimmage on Saturday coming up this Saturday is, is usually when the coaches have told the players, okay, make your statement. Cause we are forming the two deep after this scrimmage and we are going to proceed that way in terms of reps. So whoever is the quarterback, um, the leader in this quarterback race uh, after Saturday's scrimmage is most likely going to start getting, you know, three quarters, of the first team reps so that they're ready for the, the season to start. Yeah. So that they can start kind of scripting out the, the game plan for the season. I mean, that that's usually, this is a time in fall camp, you know, you usually have about two weeks to prove yourself as a starter and not just for quarterbacks. I mean, this is across the board, you know, when um, the time is coming up where they're going to really have to start narrowing down the guys that they trust to put out there game one, Game two against Alabama. I mean, there, there's a you know a a, a season <laughs> approaching very very quickly. I mean, what is it like a little bit more than two weeks away now? And so, yeah, I think I think that um, one of these guys needs to step up and, and answer the call. And Chip, I'm curious for your take on this. Let's just say that the scrimmage on Saturday, the quarterbacks perform at a level similar to what we saw at the open practice. If you're Steve Sarkeesian, what do you do? I'm going to start Hudson Card. I'm going to start Hudson Card because he's been in the fire. Uh, I got to hope that he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's been counted out in this race for for weeks and months. And um, I've reported in the Insider that Hudson Card has no thoughts of doing anything other than beating Quinn Ewers in this competition. Not It's not a personal thing. It's that Hudson card wants to be the quarterback of the Texas Longhorns felt like he outplayed Quinn Ewers in the spring, which he probably did. Quinn Ewers right. was just hot off the bus from Ohio state and was trying to learn the offense is still trying to learn the offense, but this is, um, it's gonna be fascinating because they are different quarterbacks. I mean, Hudson cards, a dual threat. Quinn Ewers is that big arm pocket passer can make every throw. Every arm angle, we saw it on Tuesday night. He had a couple of those little slingshot sidearm passes uh, on screens. It's it's fun to watch. And he, like I said, he will deliver that deep ball. I mean, he is, and that's what Steve Sarkeesian likes. You know, Steve Sarkeesian is aggressive in throwing the the deep ball. And he he wants his quarterback to be able to, you know, take it, take those shots downfield. So I'm fascinated. Um, it's a little, uh, nerve wracking for, for Texas fans, especially on the heels of the news of 
you know, season ending injuries to junior Angelao on the offensive line and Isaiah Nair at receiver. And Taylor, that sort of leads us into our next um, probably hot topic from the open practice, which is uh, the offensive line, because with junior Angelao out and Cole Hudson out, uh, Cole Hudson's got an injury that could keep him out a week. Uh, according to Steve Sarkeesian, uh, it was DJ Campbell, the freshman, five-star talent um, at right guard, Hayden Connor at left guard, and freshman Kelvin Banks at left tackle. He, you know, he has passed uh, Andre Carrick, the third-year sophomore, and and so Kelvin Banks looks like he's going to be the the starter at left tackle unless something happens unforeseen in the next week or two weeks. Um, and if you missed, uh, the insider on Kelvin Banks a week ago, make sure you read it because this kid is a, he's a different cat. He is a, he is a, you know, leader. I mean, he already, he's, he's holding his line mates accountable. He's learning, drinking from a fire hose and still trying to lead. And, and you love that. I mean, you love that as a coach because man, Kyle flood did not have that last year. He did. I mean, we can talk about. You know, Junior Angelau being a, a veteran guy and, and you know, you had the other, um, you know, sixth year guys uh, on that line, but they weren't, they weren't top performers. You need top performers who are also leaders, making sure that everybody's putting in uh, the maximum effort on every play. Uh, Kelvin Banks is going to be that guy. I'm not sure how quickly he can get comfortable especially with Alabama rolling into town with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner on September 10th. But um, that was what you had. I mean, you had Kelvin Banks at, at left tackle. You had Hayden Connor at left guard, Jake Majors at center, uh, DJ Campbell at right guard, and Christian Jones at right tackle. Yeah, and and I think the offensive line too. I mean, obviously this is not the ideal situation, I think, for any coach and for Kyle Flood. And we kind of have been talking about this. We thought that there would at least be one true freshman starting on the offensive line, if not several. That was prior to Junior um, Angelao's injury there. But that also kind of makes me wonder if Hudson Card, until the offensive line can get more um, accustomed to uh, doing their jobs, if Hudson Card is the better option right now because he can use his legs. And I know that Steve Sarkeesian doesn't like to have his quarterbacks use his legs, but if there's not great protection in front of the quarterback, you also don't want them to just get hit time and again, you know, either. And so that to me is kind of something I think you have to watch um, as, you know, Texas approaches this season. But I mean, it, it's that offensive line is – I would say as much of a concern as we thought it was. Would you agree? Yeah. And, and I was a little, I, I get, you know, last year I thought Texas should have adjusted the scheme to just accommodate what talent they had, but Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle flood are recruiting to a pro style system. They're recruiting to the system that Alabama has been running and, and they want to, you know, Steve Sarkeesian was an NFL offensive coordinator. He wants to say to recruits, you're going to come here and learn an NFL offense and be NFL ready. We we do it all here. We do zone uh, blocking, gap blocking. We run everything. And, and so in year one, you don't want to, you know, give up on that identity because you're trying to recruit Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning to come and play in a NFL pro system. But, I mean, you bring up a really good point. At what point do you have to just, you know, roll the pocket and get out of your comfort zone and do things that will just help you protect some of these young guys, hide your your inefficiencies and and survive? I mean, last night with all the turnovers in 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 that open practice, I'm sitting there thinking if they turn it over twice, against Alabama and Alabama doesn't turn it over, it's going to be a four touchdown win for the Crimson Tide. I mean, they got the Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can't, it, and that's, you know, Steve Sarkeesian always talks about that, that turnover. It's the number one uh, determining factor, the number one determining statistic in wins and losses, turnovers. And, 
And so Steve Sarkeesian's got a lot to think about um, because look, you're, you're not expected to, to win that Alabama game at all. You're, you're hoping you get a great effort. I've said, try to cover, you know, whatever that line's going to be, whether it's two touchdowns or 17 points, try to cover and come out of that thing with some confidence and, and move forward. But it's, you know, there's a lot going on right now with Steve Sarkeesian trying to get this offense ready. In a lot of ways, it's, you know, it's a scarier time because of young players and unknowns. Last year, he had not great players on the offensive line, but he knew what he was going to get probably. Uh, not not that that's some, you know, consolation prize, but <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I hear you, Taylor. It's, it's tricky. And Look, Hudson Card may have to use his legs uh, by necessity uh, in that Alabama game just to, you know, try and keep the chains moving at, at times. But um, it's it's Steve Sarkeesian. Remember, he compared himself to Nick Saban and Pete Carroll in year one. Those guys had tough years. You know, Pete Carroll six and six at USC, and then seven straight BCS bowl games. Uh, Nick Saban seven and six his first year at Alabama, and then whatever, um, you know, Bear Bryant's record for national championships. I don't know that you want to be in that grouping, Taylor, with this with this much uncertainty, especially now with the, the season-ending injuries to Junior Angelau and Isaiah Nair. Um, but here we go. Yeah, no doubt about it, Chip. And, and I do think when you, you know, in year one, I understand why Steve Sarkeesian didn't want to adjust the offense because – he was trying to sell the future of what the Texas offense is going to be. And I think that's that's fair to do in year one to try to just set the, the foundation. But at some point, if the guy that you go with is Hudson Card, you've got to adjust your scheme to your players' talents. I mean, everybody says the best coaches are, are the ones that coach to their player talents, not coach to their scheme. And so I think he's already, you know, based off of the way their first recruiting class, their first full recruiting cycle, that can be kind of a selling point for the staff, even if they do have to adjust the offense to more of a, you know, a dual threat quarterback friendly type of offense. I think that they can point to look at the type of players we're recruiting, look at the type of quarterbacks. That is what the future holds. We just don't have those guys ready to go right now because they're so young. And so it's going to be interesting to see if he does kind of adjust a little bit his scheme if the guy is Hudson Card, for instance, um, and, you know, see, like, how that plays out. I mean, that's something, obviously, we're not going to know that for a few weeks now. But still, I think that, or if ever, I guess if Hudson Card is not named the starter, we may not know it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And I don't envy Steve Sarkeesian or the offensive staff right now just because, and this is not like, I don't want it to sound like doom and gloom or anything like that because there's tons of talent on this team. It's just very inexperienced and it's raw. It's very, very raw talent. And anytime you have that, it could go either way. I mean, honestly, they could have a play where they look amazing and then the next one look like they shouldn't even ever touch the field. And that, that's just with any, you know, first time starters or um, underclassmen, I would say too, you kind of, you kind of have to roll with the punches a little bit, but there's no doubt there's going to be a lot to watch moving forward. That's why you want to stay over at horns 24 seven and uh, get an annual membership there because we will have plenty of insider, you know, scoop leading up to the season, but especially leading up to this um, scrimmage and beyond chip, because this is where some answers have to come out. Yeah. And what scares me the most right now on the offensive side is that Junior Angelau was being credited with being a vocal leader on the offensive line, probably the most vocal leader. Although Kelvin Banks sounds like he's not shying away. Yeah. Uh, and Roshan Johnson is maybe the best team leader on the entire roster. And he's banged up with an ankle injury. Now he should be back in, in a week or so, according to Steve Sarkeesian. And Roshan was walking around, uh, fine. He was dressed. He didn't practice, but he was dressed and looked like he was walking around fine. I didn't even see like heavy tape on the ankle. That kid's such a warrior. I, I don't doubt him being back on the field this second. Uh, he's probably pushing the trainers to get back on the field, right. but this is critical time right now. These next two weeks, uh, I mean, leading up to game one, 
you've got to be pushing, pushing, pushing uh, in practice to get better and better and better. You, you know, they talk about the most improvement you make is from game one to game two. Well, once they set this roster and they start giving those first team reps out, this offense has got to come together and, and they got to get cohesive. Now you throw in the Isaiah Nair injury and Nair, all we heard was rave reviews about Nair. I mean, if you look at the numbers, he had 12 touchdown catches last year, one of the best yards per catch averages over the last two years in all of FBS. I mean, this guy was a big play touchdown waiting to happen. Take the top off the defense, six foot three, big catch radius, sees himself as an NFL player, is, you know, training and grinding and being a professional that way. And now he's gone for the season. And you're probably going to have to move Xavier Worthy from the slot outside uh, to where Nayer was and move Tariq Milton inside uh, to that slot position unless a guy like Casey Kane, who we weren't even talking about <laughs> uh, two, three, when camp started, uh, we weren't, weren't really talking about him until he caught the touchdown or the deep ball pass from yours in the scrimmage last Saturday. But he looked good Tuesday night in that open practice, Taylor, number 88. And, and Steve Sarkeesian said, he's coming on and we'll see where he can take it. But man, it's a huge opportunity now for Tariq Milton and uh, Casey Kane. And, and look, you got freshmen in there, Savion Red, Brennan Thompson. But Tariq Milton has four years of experience, 99 catches, and and Casey Kane's been in the program, and he's been in this offense uh, now in his second year. So um, that's the other big question mark now on offense. Yeah, it is. And and there's still, again, there's a lot of talent there. I mean, Xavier Worthy, obviously, everyone saw what he did as a true freshman last year, true freshman All-American, Big 12 freshman offensive player of the year. Um, I mean, he his, his body of work has proven to be exactly what, you know, I think Steve Sarkeesian was expecting it to be when he recruited him after being hired at Texas. And then with Jordan Whittington, obviously a very talented guy. The the question with him also is his injuries with him, you know, and, and you hope for his sake. I mean, gosh, I want to see that kid play a full season healthy, like just for his sake. I want to see that because um, he has not had the opportunity to do that yet since he's been at Texas. But yeah, I mean, you know, there there's a lot of talent in that receiver room, but Isaiah Nayer going down was probably one of the worst guy. I mean, aside from like a Bijan Robinson going down, like I would say that that's probably the, one of the worst news that you can get for the offense if you're a Texas fan. Um, when you talk about the leadership side of it, I want to just address this real quick. So you mentioned Roshan Johnson being out there. So I thought I saw him out there and I had to do a double take to make sure I was seeing number two and see if that was him because he was fully dressed out, not just right. in like a jersey and shorts. He was full pads, everything, knowing full well that he was not going to practice. And and listen, like that, that's not ever expected of any players that are injured, I don't think. But just the fact that he was fully dressed out in pads, everything, knowing he's not going to practice, that showed a leadership and it probably wasn't even intentional on his end. But when I saw that, I was like, dang, like that's a different type of, of guy, you know, to be in pads in a hundred degree heat when you don't have to be. I mean, shoot, I was kind of like, I don't want to be out here and I'm just sitting here watching him <laughs> to be in full pads. I mean, that that in itself is I, I was just like, wow, like I, I and I wanted to address that, too. I'm glad you brought him up um, there, because even though he was not performing, I thought that showed just. A, a characteristic that you don't see often that you don't expect, honestly, and no one really does expect, but that's, that's truly special in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, and a, we, something we have to keep an eye on is Troy O'Meary because we were hearing good things and then he did not practice last night. It, it, they said it was precautionary. Um, he was uh, dressed out in full pads, but he was not taking part in team situations. So you just, with Troy O'Meary having missed back-to-back -back seasons with knee injuries, it's just something you have to keep an eye on. You hope it was nothing. Maybe it was some muscle tightness or something, but you you want to see him keep progressing because, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian said he's he's taking steps, 
was the quote taking steps. Well, that's a six foot three, 221 pound specimen who, um, you know, we've been hearing about like Sasquatch or the Loch Ness monster for, for two years. We haven't seen him, but we, we want to see it. We want to see what's going on. I'm sure Steve Sarkeesian wants to see. It. I'm sure these quarterbacks want to see it because good gravy. You just lost a six foot three uh, field stretcher in uh, Isaiah Nayer. Uh, Ajayi Hall, the six foot three uh, Alabama transfer, is suspended indefinitely. And uh, and now, you know, here's Trey O'Meary. Right. The, and Casey Kane, six foot three. You want one of those guys to to emerge because that that's a tough matchup. Anytime you have size and length at, at receiver uh, on, on a guy who can run, it's a tough matchup. Yeah, it is. And and that's where I, it's almost like the Nayer injury has opened the door for one of those guys to step up and they have to do it. You know, I think that's, I mean, it, it, it's time. Like they were probably going to be full blown second stringers if Nayer was healthy, you know? And so this is their opportunity and, and this offense needs it, you know, and, and I, I was curious with Troy O'Meary not going through, he was doing like some like individual drills a little bit, but he wasn't running really in them even. So, um, I was curious what the reason is behind that. A part of me is wondering if Steve Sarkeesh and with Casey Kane was in a green non-contact Jersey. Part of me wonders if it's like, they just don't want a chance. <laughs> One of those guys getting injured by contact and practice, especially in open practice where fans are out there to, to view it. That's um, I, I, I wonder if that kind of played a role into it a little bit there, but one of those guys or somebody else needs to step up and whoever it is, you would hope that they're kind of chop chomping at the bit a little bit to step up because they have an opportunity in a window to really secure, not just playing time, but substantial starting playing time with Nair's injury. Yeah. I mean, the guys who want, who want it, who want to be great, who are willing to work to be great. They reveal themselves very quickly. Right. Um, we saw it with Xavier worthy last year. We saw it with Jordan Whittington, the guy, I mean, I, I get it. He, he was hurt early, but he was making plays. He, he is a playmaker. One guy to keep an eye on is Savion red. Um, who that's your guy. I, I mean, this guy, <laughs> your eye just goes to him because he's got some burst you know, he's 5'11", 206. He, he reminds me a little bit of Quan Cosby's kind of thick. Um, and I don't want to put him in that class because Quan's one of the all-time greats at Texas. But I just want to see what this kid can do. I mean, and Brennan Thompson is a burner. He is a burner. He had a crazy night last night. He was dropping everything. He dropped three passes. He dropped. He muffed up kick return. You're like, what is going on with Brandon Thompson? Then he catches a beautiful touchdown pass from Hudson Card right at the end of practice in in uh, in red zone, and you know it was one of the best plays of the night. So good for him to finish on a high note, not get down and and just crater in that practice. But man, Savion Red catches the ball so easily. He's he's the the least ballyhooed of the the two receivers in that class. So, uh, but I'm just my eye catches him and, and uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see, but he, he looks like he's going to be a really tough slot receiver for, for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, and then Taylor, you've got, you know, the tight end group, the flex tight ends, Jaleel Billingsley, who had a catch. Um, you've got Juan Davis, who I just keep hearing is coming on. Like um, don't, don't sleep on Juan Davis. He was kind of, hurt all year last year, had a hamstring that wouldn't, wouldn't go away. Um, you know, we know about Jatavian Sanders and Gunnar Hellman. They've got to be good. I mean, they have got to be good as blockers, as H backs from day one, because there's, there's really no recourse after they, you know, Cade Brewers, uh, it, trying to make an NFL roster. Uh, those guys have to be good because they're one of them's going to have to be on the field, uh, at all times. And, and then, you know, you'll either have both of those big blocking tight ends or you'll have um, Jatavian Sanders or Gunnar Helm paired with Jaleel Billingsley and Juan Davis. And those guys are down the field threats in in Billingsley and Davis. So Steve Sarkeesian, smart guy, super creative, great play caller. Um, you know, you don't you don't want to 
you're not worried, but man, you, you know what maybe could have been with Isaiah Nair. And that's, that's a tough one. Cause the kid was such a hard worker too. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, and I am curious too, with the tight end position, how, how Steve Sarkeesian may adjust how many he has on the field too, with the receiver group, you know, if, a if say a Troy O'Meary or Casey Kane doesn't really um, catch the attention of the staff where they feel that they can trust either one of them, putting them in a game. I wonder how many, how they're going to kind of readjust the the tight end role, because you're right. There are down the field threats, tight end players in like Jaleel Billingsley and Juan Davis. And, you know, that that could help alleviate the the missing um, Isaiah Nair, the missing six foot three receiver. I mean, those guys are are big and they may not be as as shifty or as quick as Isaiah Nair, Nair is, but they're still, a you know, a, especially a jump ball type of threat and a downfield type of threat tight end. You're and I, that's something I'm for sure going to be interested to see how Steve Sarkeesian kind of maneuvers that as well. Yeah, a couple other just notes on offense, and then we'll get to the defense. But uh, Jonathan <laughs> thirty <Brooks>. minutes on offense. <laughs> We're <Yeah>. talking. <laughs> Jonathan Brooks, um, who had a good scrimmage on Saturday, was not present in the Tuesday practice. Um, so, you know, Bijan Robinson did get some work, and he he looks fantastic. So, uh, fear not, Bijan Robinson uh, looks like an even better version of Bijan Robinson, uh, even though Roshan Johnson wasn't out there and Jonathan Brooks wasn't out there. A uh, good opportunity for Jaden Blue, who catches the ball really well and I think is digesting all the things that he needs to learn about this offense and all the responsibilities. Um, because, you know, Bijan Robinson has said it, Steve Sarkeesian said it, that the great players know what everyone on offense is doing on a given play. They understand the offense to that depth. It's not just, oh, this is where I run to the A gap right. uh, and I need to take that jab step and and then you know grab the handoff and go. You, you got to see the defense. You got to see it all uh, playing out uh, as that play unfolds. And he's he's getting there. All right, let's uh, let's go over to the defense, Taylor, because you know when you look at the defensive line, huge concern, underperformed last year. Your starters at tackle were uh, Byron Murphy and Vernon Broughton. Vernon Broughton is one of the sort of uh, surprise storylines of of this camp. Everyone uh, has had high hopes for Alfred Collins. Uh, he and Vernon Broughton came in together. They both are monstrous, look great in pads. Uh, Alfred Collins had a brace on his knee and was not practicing in team situations, so uh, he appears to have gotten banged up in that scrimmage, although Steve Sarkeesian didn't mention his name uh, as part of that injury list. But Vernon Broughton, I'll tell you what, the guy had a sack in the scrimmage, uh, first fall camp scrimmage, and was getting some penetration last night. If he can deliver that play in and play out, then this defensive line might be much improved. Yeah, and I, I feel like Vernon Broughton is kind of the the forgotten guy. I mean, remember, he was a, a top 247 um, prospect in the, what was he? 2020 class, I think it was, but I mean, he was a high four-star rated, um, you know, a top 20 player in the state of Texas, according to the 24 seven sports composite. And that, I mean, the more, the more guys that step up at, on the defensive line, the better, in my opinion, Chip, I mean, uh, it's probably a little surprising that, that these are the names that we're talking about being the ones that are the first team defensive tackles, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I think that the more guys that they have available there, the better that this defense can be. It all starts up front. I mean, you win and lose games in the trenches, and that's for both sides of the ball. And obviously, defensive line underperformed substantially last year. I'm still very hesitant to talk up the defensive line in any way, shape, or form because I'm a little gun-shy, I think, after last year because I think everybody was expecting it to be the strength of the defense and it was one of the Achilles heels of the defense that in the, you know, secondary or safety position mainly. But um, I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing. The more guys that do step up, but I'm still very hesitant to, to talk about vast improvement or anything like that until I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ovi Agofu uh, has been making some plays. He had a, um, you know, he had a couple plays in the first fall camp scrimmage. Uh, Baron Sorrell, uh, is your other defensive end. Um, 
you know, Justice Finkley's getting a lot of run with the with the number two defense. He is a specimen. He took off his pads at the end of practice and looks like a Takeo Spikes starter kit. I mean, this kid is just cut out of stone uh, and and went through the spring. He's number one. You can't miss him. Uh, love those guys on the defensive line who wear number one because you got to have you got to you better bring it if you're right. wearing number one on the defensive line. And uh, and so those guys, you know, grab my attention and Taylor, the linebackers were making plays last night. Now, I don't know if this is we know what you're running because you're our offense. We see you every day. I can read stuff. But DeMarvin Overshawn had a diving pass breakup on a screen pass to or a you know, a, a quick out to Xavier Worthy. Jalen Ford had an unbelievable interception on a pass to uh, uh, the the walk-on uh, transfer, number 83. Um, oh, gosh. The new Kai Money. Let's just call him the new Kai Money. <laughs> um, Gabe Solzer. Uh, Jalen Ford made an unbelievable interception on that play and Diamante Tucker Dorsey was everywhere. I mean, I just felt like I was seeing number two all over the place. So, and even uh, Jed Bush and Devin Richardson, the backup middle linebackers behind Jalen Ford were making some plays. I'm not gonna, I'm with you. I'm not selling anything about this defense until I see it. They were such a disaster last year. Still are my number one overall concern for this football team is the defense. I'll trust Steve Sarkeesian to, you know, MacGyver that offense to whatever, 35, 36 points again this season. But that defense was atrocious. Uh, but I I saw plays getting made by the linebacker position. And uh, man, if that, if Jalen Ford and Diamante Tucker Dorsey, David Benda as well, David Benda is a veteran now, man, if they can just raise that level of play, this defense will be a lot better. Yeah, and they need to. I mean, the what what is it? The linebacker position, especially middle linebackers, like quarterback of the defense. You want those guys to be the most consistent, the most um, knowledgeable, probably of the defense, being able to tell guys where to line up. And same with, I think, the, um, safety, which I'm not going to expect that too much right now, just because those guys are uh, learning the position. A lot of them, or you know. Um, with uh, Anthony Cook, you know, being a first year starter at state at safety. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, I, I'm very hesitant with you on linebacker as well. You know, they do know the offense. They know a lot more about this Texas team than than uh, other defenses may know at this point, you know, when they when they take the field against Texas. But yeah, I think that uh, the linebacker play looked good on paper, looked good in person. We'll see. Show me, don't tell me when yeah. the when it matters most. <laughs> Show me, don't tell me. Um, you know, and in the and then in the secondary, you mentioned it. So uh you've got Anthony Cook at the at the boundary safety and Jaron Thompson at the field safety. Jaron Thompson made another play last night, had an interception. Um, and then, you know, at the corners, you've got Deshaun Jameson, who's been making plays. He had a pick six. Uh, in the first fall camp scrimmage, and Ryan Watts had a pick six last night um, on Hudson cards. So it's, you know, you, you want that you've got to have playmaking from your corner positions. And then Taylor, the guy that I've been saying, keep an eye on this guy because he's, he's going to be an impact guy as a freshman is Jalen Gilbo. Number 13, he was running first team nickel last night because Jody Barron, uh, is a little banged up right now. And Jalen Gilbo shows up. He's always around the ball. I'm just saying this guy in that ballyhooed class of, of, you know, Terrence Brooks and, and, you know, Xavion Bryce and Austin Jordan and BJ Allen, Jalen Gilbo's the guy right now. He's playing with the most confidence. He's got the most trust of the coaches. I just have a feeling we're going to see him on the field in some way, shape or form, either in a rotation or, or more, um, and then real quickly, Taylor, the other guy that just grabs your attention is the walk-on Michael Taff, who played at Westlake, two-time two-time state title defensive MVP. This guy is always in the right place. 
I just have a feeling he's going to get called upon at some point this season and he may never come off the field. I mean, he just gets the game. He's instinctive. He sees it. He's fast. I don't know. You know, I think he's faster than Blake Gideon was as a, as a player. And he looks a little thicker than Blake Gideon, but uh, Blake Gideon had a ton of NFL players around him uh, as well. So uh, including lining up next to Earl Thomas, but I'm just saying, these are the guys who grabbed my attention last night uh, as I wrap up my thoughts on the defense. Yeah. And Jalen Gilbo was a guy prior to his suspension earlier in the year was a guy even just in winter workouts, that was a name that we kept hearing. And even at, at the time, I had heard from sources saying that Deshaun Jabison better wake up real quick because he's about to be overtaken by a true freshman corner. Um, you know, and then he did uh, get suspended by Steve Sarkeesian. He is back in full capacity. But yeah, he's he's 13 on defense. Definitely one to watch too, Chip. Yeah. And then special teams real quick. Uh, Will Stone <laughs> had one of the the like practices like Michael Dixon had uh, when Dixon shanked a punt as a, I think it was his first practice. He shanked a punt so badly at Denius fields. It went over red river into the LBJ library parking lot. That That's not a, no lie that happened. I'll never forget. I was standing next to Sean Adams, our friend, Sean Adams, uh, my former co-host on the radio. And we looked at each other and we're like, did that just happen? <laughs> um, well, Will Stone in warmups was missing everything. He was missing field goals. His kickoffs were knuckleballs. Uh, he did finish two of three on field goal attempts in the in the live action at the end of practice. Um, I think he hit from both hashes from about 40 yards, and then he missed from the center of the field from 45 yards. He's a left-footed kicker. So he hooks it in from left to right and he hit the left goalpost and it, it uh, bounced out. But uh, the punting looks good from Isaac Pearson kickoffs right now. It looks like it's Burt Auburn. We'll see if Will Stone can, uh, can get the field goal kicking um, a little more consistent from based on what we saw Tuesday night. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, he does have one of the best special teams coaches that is leading him. So I do think that it should improve, but it was not great to put yeah. it kindly, I would say. All right, Taylor, we have been counting down uh, the most difficult games on Texas's schedule from easiest to hardest. Mm -hmm. And we are now uh, on the uh, middle, well, what we gave you the the four easiest games. We did not agree on this, by the way. Right. Um, the four easiest games of the season. Last week, I said, um, "Oh God, now I've." You said you got ULM at number twelve, Kansas number eleven, TCU at ten, and Texas Tech at nine. Where we were different was I had the same 12, 11, 10, but nine, I had Iowa State. Thank you. No problem. Hey, I got you. <laughs> okay. So now we are at the eighth. Mm -hmm. uh, and we both agree on this game? one. Yep. Okay. And we say it's UTSA. Mm -hmm. uh, UTSA and that I might, I, you know, I'm, I'm this game is a concern because of a Jeff trailer is a really good coach. I always say the great coaches reveal themselves in their first two years on the job. This guy took a losing program that had been in losing seasons the previous three years and goes seven and five and then goes 12 and two. Yeah. And he's got his fifth year quarterback back and Frank Harris. Um, in, Yes, they lost a ton on defense, but they also brought in transfers from LSU and, you know, I, I just Colorado uh, trailer is a guy you got to watch. But Taylor, I've got them at uh, number eight on our countdown. How about you? Yeah, I agree with that one. And I think uh, I mean, I, I've said this for 
a while now. I think Tom Herman's biggest mistake he made when he took over as head coach was not retaining Jeff Trailer on his staff, you know, because Jeff Trailer was a member of Charlie Strong's staff. I think he's a great coach. Um, this is coming after Alabama. This is a potential trap game, maybe potentially, you know, type of thing. But I think with just the the talent differential between the two teams, I think is what would make me say that UTSA is eight two. And it's not a knock on Jeff Trailer. We had him on the podcast, and he pretty much said the same thing himself. Yeah, I mean, so. he, <laughs> he was like, "We have no chance in this game." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Huh? Okay, Lou, Lou Holtz." Yeah, he's sandbagging. He's laying in the weeds. Yeah. All right. Uh, the seventh most difficult game on Texas's schedule. I say West Virginia. West Virginia's played really good defense under Neil Brown. They've got to get the offense going, and now here comes. Uh, JT Daniels, who's played in Texas or Royal Memorial Stadium when he was a, a freshman at USC. Uh, now he's coming back as a 10th year senior <laughs> at West Virginia with Graham Harrell as his offensive coordinator. So, uh, this is a team that a lot of people are like wondering about how, how different are they going to be on offense with, with Graham Harrell running the show instead of Neil Brown. Uh, so number seven, West Virginia, Taylor. How about you? I have a different one. I have Texas Tech at number seven. Um, I think, um, I, uh, well, we'll see where I have West Virginia because I have not put them out yet. But Texas Tech, I think, is a, this is, you know, a fair ranking in my opinion for them. I mean, it's a, obviously the bottom half of the schedule in our rankings, I should say, but um, I have them two spots ahead of you. I just think I'm curious to see what Texas Tech is going to be. Playing in Lubbock is never easy. And, um, you know, Joey McGuire, I think he's a really good coach. I think he was a great hire for Texas Tech, kind of understands that culture. But still, I think this is fair to say that it's not in the top six of the toughest games on the schedule yet, just because there's a lot of unknowns there. Yeah. And we don't have the game time for that game yet. Right. Uh, that game gets a lot harder if it's at uh, at night. Yeah. All right. Number six, most difficult uh, game on Texas's schedule. I have Iowa State. Iowa State is, you know, they lost Brock Purdy. They lost their tight ends. They lost a lot on defense. Mike Rose, the linebacker, um, you know, they've, they've lost a lot of proven players, but Matt Campbell at Big 12 Football Media Days was sounded really excited about Hunter Deckers, their new quarterback. And they have a lot of players who've been in their system who are who've been waiting their turn. Uh, and I I think Iowa State could be a real surprise team. Uh, but you lose Brees Hall, you lose all these players to, you know, Brees Hall's fighting for the starting job with the New York Jets for crying out loud. Um Iowa State, I think, is a dangerous team, but it is in Austin. Taylor, I've got it as the sixth hardest game on Texas's schedule. Um, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I had Iowa State at nine, so I guess I'm not giving as much benefit of the doubt to Matt Campbell. Just because I think he's a great coach, but just because of how much they had, I mean, he has pretty much not. I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously, but it's like pretty much a new roster <laughs> starters that are going to line up against Texas. It could be starters that are going to surprise, though. I mean, I'm not going to count him out. Um, but I have West Virginia at number six. I think how you feel about Iowa State, it's kind of funny that we have these. I kind of feel that way about West Virginia. I feel like West Virginia could be a team that surprises um, as long as this offense does work. You know, with Graham Harrell coming in, JT Daniels coming in, they have familiarity with one another, too, with their time at USC. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, I, I think that this could be a potentially dangerous team um, in the big 12 this season, if the play on offense um, improves, I would say, but I mean, that's a team that beat Texas last year too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of teams that beat Texas last year. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. And our fifth most difficult game on the schedule for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, I have Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma, I get it. They've won 14 Big 12 championships. Texas has won three. Um, and OU should 
probably be in the top four most difficult games on the schedule. But here's here's my thing about Oklahoma. They lost a ton on on defense. They lost Caleb Williams. Now they lost Lincoln Riley. Uh, but I'll say this: uh, Dylan Gabriel, who transferred as a grad transfer from Central Florida, has worked with Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Uh, they still have Marvin Mims. They don't have Kennedy Brooks. I'm not sure who's going to be running the football for Oklahoma. This seems like a, a year where you can get them. Um, Brent Venables' defense is really complex. Can these guys pick it up in year one? Uh, he's a super intense guy. Can he handle the ups and downs of a game, let alone a season, with his you know incredible intensity? Uh, because you can't burn hot all the time as, as a head coach. But uh, those are just enough questions for me um, to put OU as the fifth most difficult game on Texas's schedule. Taylor, how about you? I agree. This is where I have Oklahoma too. And I'm, we may slap ourselves come October <laughs> for putting them at five. Cause this is a tough game, regardless of the situation for either team, just since it's, it's such a unique game setting, but with Steve Sarkeesian and his staff being in this setting already. Um, it, I mean, it could be daunting for first time coaches that coach in this game, let alone, first-time head coaches in general <laughs> going into this game. Uh, it's such a game of momentum with the way that they had the stadium set up. There's so much uh, to replace on OU, as you mentioned. I don't need to you know, regurgitate it. But I think that this could be a chance where Texas can end that OU uh, you know, losing streak that they have right now and finally take home that golden hat for the first time since 2018. Yeah. All right, we will have the four most difficult games on Texas's schedule next week uh, as we finish up that countdown. Uh, Taylor, you ready for some Love It or Leave It? I am. Before we get to Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a quick break, but we have uh, more football talk coming up here in Love It or Leave It, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Chip, you uh, ready for some love it or leave it? I'm ready. All righty. My first one for you is love it or leave it on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of concern. The season-ending injuries to Junior Angelou and Isaiah Nair are a 9. Wow, right now it feels like that. Um... You know, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this uh, because I, I do trust Steve Sarkeesian uh, to have the next man up ready to go. I don't know. We, we've come into this season knowing there was going to be uh, some new faces on that offensive line. You didn't think it would be replacing Junior Angelau, who is a good run blocker, uh, needs to improve his pass blocking, but guy with 34 starts. I mean, um, look at me. I'm going to talk myself into uh, loving it. But uh, Isaiah Nair was a guy I was so excited to see and a real difference maker. Uh, but look, you still have Xavier Worthy. You still have Jordan Whittington. And last year, um, you know, Worthy had 12 touchdown catches. Uh, and it was really him and a bunch of guys who aren't in the program anymore at certain points of the season. So I'm I'm gonna leave this. You know, nine is when you you lost your starting quarterback, maybe even your backup quarterback. Um, I'm I'm gonna leave this, Taylor. It's a concern. It's a it's definitely a concern. It's definitely you know like around a seven, but I'm gonna 
I'm going to leave it in terms of a nine. How about you? I think I'm going to love it. I think just because the fact that we were talking, you know, earlier about the starting true freshman on the offensive line, regardless is a, is a scary thing um, for any, for any coach, even though they're talented, the Texas has a lot of talented true freshman ones. Now Texas is in a position where they're going to probably have to have two true freshman offensive linemen starting and they're losing one of their more veteran and consistently decent offensive linemen with Junior Anglau. And then Isaiah Nayer, he was coming along so well. I mean, this is that's a huge loss. So I'm going to have to love it and say that this, um, in terms of concern, it's a nine. Okay. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two. Second one is love it or leave it with the injury to Junior Angelou, accelerating the learning curve for UT's freshman O lineman is a scary thing. Um, you know, I'm going to leave this because scary. Uh, when you're talking about Kelvin Banks and and DJ Campbell and Cole Hudson, you're you're excited to see these guys play. You know they're going to be rough rough days, rough plays, hopefully not rough days, but rough plays once the season starts. But these are the types of guys who are going to learn from their mistakes and hopefully not repeat the mistakes. Everything that I've heard about Calvin Banks, Cole Hudson, uh, DJ Campbell, and Cameron Williams is another guy you have to keep an eye on because he's getting second team reps at right tackle. And if Christian Jones uh, isn't any better on the right side than he was on the left side. He's going to get replaced by Cameron Williams. You're going to have, you know, potentially three freshmen on on that offensive line as starters. So, um, you know, scary implies that uh, these guys don't have talent. Now, it's nerve wracking, uh, but I'm not going to say scary just because of how talent these young uh, freshman offensive linemen are and Look, they're going to grow up together over the next uh, three, four years. Uh, if if you take some lumps in year one and you come, come out better for it, then it'll go from nerve wracking to thank goodness. So I'm going to I'm going to leave that one. Taylor, how about you? I mean, I'm going to I'm going to love it just because I think that. It, it is a little, maybe scary is the wrong word, but it's alarming for sure. I think if you're um, a Texas fan, so I think, you know, just accelerating, it already was, you know, a situation where Texas was going to have to rely on true freshmen. And now at least like one we were talking about or two maybe, but the fact that we're, you know, we, you just mentioned four names, that is kind of scary, I think. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to actually love this one and say, it is uh, scary, but that doesn't mean that's not me saying that these guys aren't talented at all. I think that these are offensive linemen are really talented. What I just don't want to see is for them to be needing to contribute in a substantial way as true freshmen and those ups and downs making it impact their confidence. I don't know if that's going to happen. You never know how people are going to respond to that type of adversity. And so because of the unknowns, I would say it's a little scary. So I'm going to love it. Yeah, that's legit. It's a legit concern. All right, love it or leave it, number three. All right, final one here is love it or leave it. Fans should be concerned if there's very little separation right now between quarterbacks Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers. Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think it's it's only a concern if they're both playing badly. Uh, and I think they're both making plays. Now, um, there have been turnovers in practice. Steve Sarkeesian is the only one who can judge, uh, you know, how much of a, a, he, obviously there's a premium on protecting the ball at all times, but some interceptions are worse than others. Let's put it that way. Like one of them last night for uh, Quinn Ewers bounced off the hands of a receiver into the hands of a, of a defender. You don't put that one on the quarterback, but uh, I am going, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this. Um, now, if there is little separation and the quarterbacks have been turning it over too much in 11 on 11 situations in practice or over the next uh, two weeks, then we have a real concern. But um, this this second scrimmage on on Saturday uh, coming up, which we will recap in next week's flagship podcast, is enormous. Uh, because it is going to set the the two deep, and that number one quarterback is going to start getting uh, three quarters of the reps, and that that is a 
huge development. That means one guy's moving up and moving on and the other guy's going to have to try and, uh, you know, com continue competing for the job from the second team offense. So um, I'm going to leave this for now, but get back to me. How about you, Taylor? Yeah, I'm going to leave it. I think the same thing for what you said. I mean, it would be one thing if there, no, there's little separation and you're just like, oh my gosh, like this quarterback play is going to be terrible this season. I think then, yeah, you should be concerned. Um, but I think that both of them are have their own talents. And I think, um, I mean, it's not an ideal situation, but at the same time, it's not detrimental right now. And I agree with you now, if they're making if they're not making strides in the remaining practices in fall camp or in the scrimmage coming up here on Saturday, you know, they're they're turning it over poorly and making poor decisions, then yes, you should be concerned. So I, I totally agree with you. It's going to be a I'm going to leave it, but get back to me. All right. Well, get back to us next week when we recap scrimmage number two. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to the flagship podcast. Uh, this week for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.